If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Uh, so today we are talking about the science and engineering practices and um, I just want you guys to bear in mind that you should always be taking a three-dimensional approach in your classroom and just because we're talking about the science and engineering practices today um, doesn't mean that you should just ignore those cross-cutting concepts. Um, we just have found that when you focus on the science and engineering practices that you can kind of bring those cross-cutting concepts along with you and we'll spend a little bit more time talking about um, the cross-cutting concepts soon. Yes, perfect. Okay, so incorporating the SEPs. Um, I I feel like this should be the start of all of your planning when you're like looking at activities. You should start with kind of thinking, how can I use a science and engineering practice to lead my students to that content? Um, so that said, I found that there are certain practices that are really good to really good for helping students like discover the content. And then there are other practices that are really good for like making sense of the content and then, um, and then moving deeper into like the more critical thinking or like rounding out or deepening their understanding of the content. What do you think? Like, do you, have you... I um so you line this up and you broke um the science and engineering practices kind of into three categories and I never thought about that before and um I really like that idea um so maybe you can talk about what those three categories are that you broke those down into okay so I have investigating practices sense making practices and then critiquing practices and I will be honest like there's overlap here because yeah. sometimes you can use developing and using a model as sense making like I'm going to show you what I understand by developing this model or you can use it as an investigative practice like I'm going to fiddle with this thing and try to figure out how it works to make sense of it like to figure it out so there's definitely overlap but basically I'm looking at I can use the practices to help students discover the content and these practices I feel like are like asking questions and defining problems planning and carrying out investigations, um, potentially using mathematics and computational thinking. Although I know you were thinking that was more sense-making and I will be honest, I don't 100% understand what that science and engineering practice. Like I, that's one I just have not fully wrapped my head around. So you very well know, very well, maybe like way more on the right track with like sense-making. 
Um, but yeah, so asking questions, planning and carrying out investigations, and then like I said, developing and using models, I think can be great ways for students to investigate like a phenomenon to discover content. And then I think like sense making is, okay, now that we've investigated it, we have our data, we have um, our, we've, we've been fiddling with this model, we asked a bunch of questions. Now let's make sense of like those things we observed, like we asked questions and we threw out some ideas. Now let's make sense of what we, what we saw. So I think those ones are like developing using models, analyzing and interpreting data, using math and computational thinking, and then constructing explanations. And then that like the critiquing is like, I feel like that next level and those might come later in the practice, which would be like engaging an argument from evidence and then like obtaining, evaluating and communicating information because you're looking at like evaluating the information you're getting and you're looking at how you can communicate what you've learned and all that stuff has to happen after you've learned stuff. Definitely, yeah, I really like how you did that because I never thought about that before. And I feel like, you know, there are some science and engineering practices that you have to use all the time, like asking questions. Your students should be asking questions constantly. Um, And, um, but I've never thought about like how they're used in your instructional sequence. So I really like that you did that. I didn't make it up. Somebody was telling me about it. I just like grouped them that way, but they were talking about to me about how they, they, how they broke the practices into these like categories. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't fully agree with their categories, so I made my own, but like, but the same concept. <laughs> um, so um, I think that one of the things that people have a tendency to do is that they look at the performance expectation and they find the associated science and engineering practice that's just in that performance expectation. They're like, hey, we're going to do this one here. And so what do you think about that? <laughs> so the... So the science and engineering practice that's in the performance expectation, that is what students are going to do to like demonstrate their knowledge or demonstrate what they've learned. Right. But when you're actually learning the content, you can do any of the science and engineering practices. So I agree with you that we are a lot of times just think, oh, this unit is only going to be about analyzing data because that's what the performance expectation is. But in reality, and you definitely should analyze data because if you don't do it during class, you can't do it on the assessment, you know, so it's definitely a part of your class, but you should, like you said, be asking questions every single day. Every time you introduce a phenomena, you should be asking questions. Um, You can even incorporate like planning and carrying out investigations. Maybe you don't carry out the entire investigation, but maybe you look at an investigation and you think about how could I, like, what could I design or what could I do to test my idea? And that's like a three minute question. Right. It's not a big elaborate project or a big elaborate lab. It's like a three minute conversation about if we wanted to test this idea, what could we do? Right. Um, Or even just looking at like the relationship between variables, like what is the relationship between these variables? Yes. And like, that is, those are the types of, um, like that's, that's the way we should be integrating the science and engineering practices so that we're not just doing one practice for like an entire unit. We're taking like bits and pieces of the different practices in every activity. And that's why I think when you are first planning your activities, always start with like, how can I incorporate a science and engineering practice, whether it's the big one for the unit or the, just any, any one that will get your students to the content. Um, And then you can always, when you get more familiar, throw in those extra questions that can tie in additional 
Like I love putting at the end of my analysis questions and things like that. Like what questions can you generate about right. this topic or what questions would you want to test about these, this idea? Yeah, me too. That's one yeah. of my favorite. Like I, I love student questions. I feel like that should be really what's driving us in our, yes. in our practice as much as possible is looking at what students are interested in and curious about and that that should and really going from there. Yeah. yeah. I agree. You're always really good about that. I feel like you are. You always like post things that student questions, and I'm like, that is just, yeah. I have trouble. I have trouble with that because then you can't pre-plan everything, and I'm a I'm a planner, so definitely challenge for me. Definitely interferes, but I just feel very comfortable just going. Okay, well, we're going to do something completely different than what I had planned, and (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. Maybe that's why I really like the five, like we did an episode on the 5E. That's why I like the 5E because I like the structure and the flow. And even though it's not linear, it, to an extent, there's, there's some structure to it yeah. and you're just like, let's just, let's just go. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, no, that's totally me. I'm just like, ah. <laughs> so, so what are some quick ways that we can integrate the science and engineering practices in our classroom? Um, so I would say for some like quick wins, you just want to without taking a whole lot of time or a whole lot of planning, integrate them. I would say introduce a, like a phenomenon. So maybe like a picture or maybe a video and ask students to ask a question, like ask questions about it. And I would give them some like parameters. So if you look at what asking questions is really about, I always, we've said this before, like a bazillion times, go to the NSTA breakdown of the standards. They have that little tab and you pull them down and it tells you what asking questions looks like at every grade level and grade band. So asking questions at, you know, like the middle and high school levels, part of it, it's not just asking any question. It's asking, well, what questions could we investigate with the materials in our classroom? Or um, what question, that's the only one I have offhand. But um, (laughs) so maybe you give them a parameter like that. Um, So ask, here's your picture video here. Ask some questions that we could investigate in our classroom. And there you go. You can choose your phenomenon based on your current content. That could be like a bell ringer type activity. That could be an exit class, like exit slip kind of activity. Um, it could be like a brain break even like, hey, move to a different place in the room and create three questions about whatever picture I posted on the wall or something, you know, just to take a break. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we were talking about how um, how I love that science and engineering practice of asking questions. If you can find some way to make sure that you have all of those questions, um, that can help you a lot in building your storylines later. So anytime that you can keep student questions, do it. Um, it will really help you. That's a good idea. Like even a poster, you could just have them yeah. log their questions. I think one one unit I did um, like a few years ago, students had to ask a couple questions about like the earthquake, like looking at maps of distributions of earthquakes and some of the questions were so good and we wrote some of them down and it was really fun throughout the unit being like check we know that one now and like check we know that one now yeah yeah so I think that's so yeah something like picture video and ask them to ask a question so um I think also like just talking about um exit tickets in general um I try to use exit tickets a couple times a week um because there's so many different ways that you can Um, get a little snapshot of how students are doing and relating to those science and engineering practices, especially when you're looking at those, um, those individual components for the grade band. So a couple other things. um, So you just talked about like 
asking those lingering questions. Um, I do things like asking students to identify variables that might affect um, a given situation. Um, I might ask them to, like I might give them a claim and ask them to provide two pieces of evidence that they've seen in class. That's I love that one. Yeah. And it's super quick too. And right. It gives you so much information too, because you're saying, do they understand, you know, what a claim is and yes. do they understand the claim? So, um, you know, just those kinds of things. Um, I think they're yeah. super I always did, so I did um, like objectives and success criteria, and I know there's been some like comments in some of the groups about should we use objectives, and that's an awesome topic for another yeah. episode. Um, if you're using objectives, you don't want to give too much away, so it's like a balance. Right. But either way, I would use success criteria when we got to the explain phase um, that would say like, I can dot, dot, dot. And a lot of times I would have them, like I can explain like this phenomenon, and I would have them develop like a model, like a sketch of what they think is happening in this specific phenomenon or something. Mm -hmm. So that was a way that we end class. It wasn't an exit ticket in the sense that they turned it into me, but it might be in their notebooks. Um, and it's another just quick way to integrate one of those practices. Um, let's, let's create a model, sketch what I think is happening that I can see and not see, and use some captions to explain it. And they're you've integrated, you know, creating a model. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, you can always bring in that, um, that like argumentation piece. You can mm -hmm. do like a compare and contrast our similarities between your model and their model and what are the differences and, you know, which one kind of works better, which one. Yes, that's, that's awesome. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, right. that's perfect. I think one thing that I want to emphasize and, um, is that like all of our examples, we tie to the content that we're teaching at the time. Right. We're not just like giving students random data. We're not just giving them a random phenomenon or a random picture or a random video. It ties to like what students are learning about in, in class. Exactly. Yeah. So you talked a lot about analyzing and interpreting data and you have a really good activity and I think it's a freebie on your TBT store. And yes. it's um, what I see, what it means. Yeah. So like I just created these task cards and basically they walk students through a lot of times when everybody looks at data, we just jump to like, I think this means, you know, that and students don't take it like step by step and you get a lot more out of it when you take it. Like, what do I actually see? What am I actually observing versus like, what am I inferring from those observations? What am I, what meaning am I making from it? So they're like just a set of task cards, but I do this with data anytime pretty much, pretty much end of every time I'm using data. Um, I ask students, first of all, identify like, what do you see? And I'll ask them to point to specific or like draw arrows to like specific things, whether it's a graph or a map or um, maybe even like an image or something, just anything. Yeah. Like what specifically do you see? Like I see the line goes up. I see the line goes down. This is the lowest point. This is the highest point. Um, there's a lot of red in this area. If it's like a map or something, there's a lot of green over here. Uh, and then, and then take, then the next step is to like, look at what does it actually mean? And that's where you look at the keys, the, the titles, the units, things like that. Like, what does that highest point mean? What does that lowest point mean? What means nothing's moving? It's, it's at zero, the speed is zero. Or um, it means that there's a bunch of volcanoes right here because that's why it's red or whatever it is. And so you can like work students through what do I see? What does it mean? And then what connections can I make and conclusions can I draw from that piece of data? 
So that's that's how I like incorporate data, and it's it's a way that can help students analyze data without you like being right there to help them with it. Well, and also it ties in so well to that. Um, like if you're doing a CER, then your what you see is your evidence, and your um, and what it means is your reasoning. And yes. I think that, that that really ties back in very well. So we should link to that because I I love that activity. Deji, I never even thought about the CER connection. You have such good ideas. You like take my ideas and you just make it even better. <laughs> I'm going to steal all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so those are like just some quick ways that you can integrate science and engineering practices. Um, you know, think about how you're using them, whether students are using them to discover content, to draw conclusions and make sense of, of material, or if they're using it to like take it to a higher level um, communicating it, using argumentation, um, how you're using it in your like assessments, making sure incorporating lots of variety in terms of the science and engineering practices. And then, yeah, quick, quick ways to, to just get started and try it out and try it, just try some of the practices really. Yeah. And really just looking at those look at that NSTA matrix fork and just pick one little chunk and just figure out how you're going to apply that little tiny piece. Yes. And if you look at the little chunks, they're way more manageable than trying to think about like the whole thing. Yeah. Like yeah. developing an investigation, you don't have to do the whole thing. Just pick one little piece. Yeah. And you've incorporated the practices and we can all be happy. <laughs> awesome. All right. So next time, I don't know what we're talking about right now, but <laughs> I hope we can figure that out. Um, Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, thanks for tuning in and we will be back next week. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.